This podcast series is brought to you by the Committee for Adelaide and Grant Law PR. We talk with passionate boomerangs and arrows in this series and hear why they have chosen South Australia as their home to live and work. Boomerangs are people who are originally from South Australia, moved abroad and have returned. Arrows are people who have chosen to make South Australia their new home. Well, good afternoon. We're here today with Grant Law. Hi, Grant. How are you going? Good, thank you, Peter. And we've got Elise DeRoy here. We're so lucky to have you here, Elise. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Peter. Thank you, Grant. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Um, let's get straight into about you, Elise. Tell us a little bit about you. You're a boomerang, so you've left Adelaide, um, travelled abroad. Tell us a little bit about your time abroad and why you've come back to Adelaide. Oh, yeah, thank you. Well, um, I'm, I was one of the uh, COVID refugees who came back in 2020 unexpectedly. Um, I left Adelaide in 2003. Um, all my family moved to Sydney. So I've been away for a long time and lived in Sydney for 10 years. I've uh, lived in the UK for almost 10 years. And during that time, I lived in Melbourne as well. And I've had some time in other cities too. So um, I never expected to move back to Adelaide only because my life was on a particular trajectory. And as we've seen so often with COVID, that's really been mm. interrupted and altered. And there's that word pivot that we <laughs> like to throw around. So um, I came back thinking it was going to be for about three weeks and all my things are still in London, my toaster, my coffee pot, my pillow, <laughs> um, and uh, ended up buying a house here. And I have no plans on leaving, actually. I plan to be here Good. So that was a huge uh, shock to the system in a good way. So, so what has prompted that decision? Is it just the way things have worked out with COVID? Or? I think several things. Um, a lot of soul searching, I think, has, has gone on for a lot of people during COVID and reassessing priorities and um, also life time in life as well. I think when you're younger, you tend to want to explore, seek new information. And there's this fantasy of what life can be elsewhere. And um, the reality is often very different from that. And I had incredible opportunities in London, um, incredible opportunities around the world. I'm tremendously grateful, but um, it's very hard, isn't it? It's a hard slog. And coming back to Adelaide and just experiencing how blessed and lucky we are here and how spoilt we are mm. um, and meeting innovators and, and the wonderful people you have on your podcast has helped me realise um, yeah just how much opportunity there is here so I do feel very uh, very grateful. So tell us Elise you left to pursue your career uh, yes. interstate and internationally tell us about that. Oh, um, well, I, I studied my undergrad at Adelaide Uni and UniSA. Um, and so I I was really, I mean, I'd never lived on my own when I left. I was still living at home. Um, so I almost had almost a child's understanding of Adelaide, really, you know, teenager's understanding. And then I went to acting school in Sydney for three years and had my first job in Sydney, which was outdoor Shakespeare. I worked with Shakespeare by the Sea for several seasons um, and worked in television and um, commercial and, and all sorts of everything. You do everything as an actor, really. Yeah. Everything from audio books to, um, oh gosh, I don't know, promo work to theatre to you know how it is. Um, so, yeah, I was doing that in Sydney for a long time um, and wanted to go to LA as every actor does and couldn't get the green card. Um, you know, you need to have a good 10 grand to apply and it's risky and all the rest of it. But I could get, I'm a Latvian citizen, so um, 
Britain being in, in the UK being mm. in the EU at the time, um, I was able to go over to the UK. Um, so yes, it was um, it was great, and he really hit the ground running in the UK, had in, um, amazing luck, um, even though it was incredibly brutally hard, um, and managed to have many wonderful experiences, um, and kind of kept going with the outdoor Shakespeare, and that's sort of where I found myself, and and now I'm work half in academia and half in as a theatre maker and um, primarily in, in outdoor Shakespeare. And you've got some upcoming events, don't you, coming up soon, which is excellent. We do. Over the Christmas thank period. You. Yes. So um, I founded a company called Shakespeare South Australia. Um, we had our first show in the Adelaide Botanic Garden in October, which went really well. It sold out and had great feedback. Um, and now we're doing an encore run, encore season. I've just learned that term. I really enjoy it. Um, <laughs> get ready to see it everywhere. I'm, I'll be putting it out on all mediums. Um, so we're doing an encore season at Carrick Hill, the beautiful Carrick Hill up in Springfield just after Christmas. And the reason for the dates, um, and pardon, apologies if you already know this, but Shakespeare's Twelfth Night is actually named after Twelfth Night, the calendar date, which is 12 days after Christmas. Oh. And was the traditional uh, Christmas feast, um, Christian feast. And it, it is uh, celebrated sometimes on January 5th, but usually January 6th. So our show is going to be uh, crossing that period mm. and it will be twilight performances uh, outdoors with a few family-friendly matinees as well. How beautiful. That'll yeah, be great. Fantastic. So tell us a bit about uh, what else you're doing with, with uh, Shakespeare South Australia. Yeah, so we work in this in the field of eco-theatre. So while I was in the UK um, prior to COVID, I was working at Shakespeare's Globe, uh, which is the, I'm not sure if everyone, I assume everyone knows Shakespeare's Globe, but maybe they're not all just Shakespeare um, fanatics like myself. So it's the <laughs> Tell us. reconstructed theatre on a South Bank. So that wooden O shape it's known mm. as. Um, and I was so lucky to work there. Um, as their eco-theatre consultant and I was working in production and in research as well because they have an education department and we were working on this um, amazing eco-theatrical project which sadly couldn't go ahead because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So when I came back um, to Adelaide, I'm also writing a book at the moment called Shakespeare Ecology and Adaptation with Professor Paul Prescott at the University of Merced um, and finishing my PhD in, in ecology and Shakespeare. So when I came back, I said to and Peters, who runs SA Casting, because um, I went to see her uh, as my agent, and she said, I said, oh, Anne, she goes, what am I going to do with you here in Adelaide? What are we going to do? Mm -hmm. I don't know where to put you. And I said, oh, Anne, I, you know, I usually do theatre. And she said, oh, well, what kind of theatre do you want to do? I said, well, I normally do Shakespeare. She goes, well, darling, you're just going to have to make it yourself. <laughs> and she... Um, oh. She's a real straight shooter, Anne, and um, been very, very good to me, very grateful to, for Anne. Um, and she said, look, just call up the council, call up the Botanic Gardens and just make it happen. You did. I did, <laughs> yes. And I'm really excited about the Eco Shakespeare space. It's a really big movement worldwide, believe it or not. And um, we're part of the Global Earth Shakes Alliance, which is a collective of Shakespearean theatres around the world dedicated to putting environment at the heart of their performance. Now, this doesn't have to be in your face like activist theatre. It can be, mm. absolutely. That's great. And there's a really important role that that plays. But I'm interested in how to create theatre that's beautiful, that's enjoyable, that's funny, that's entertaining, that makes people feel good, 
Because after you've been working a long day, and I think often artists forget this, you don't want to go and sit in some dingy, dirty, black box theatre watching something depressing. Now, I'm going to get slaughtered by the arts community oh, yeah. for saying that. And I, I love, I, mean, I actually really love doing that. But not everyone's in the zone for that. You know, mm. there is a really important space to create work that's inspiring and enlivening and aesthetically gorgeous. But do that in a way which is sustainable, which is sensitive and which highlights the audience's connection with the environmental, um, well, with nature or, or the environment. So how have you found people in Adelaide, you know, now that you've come back as an adult, uh, if you like, with all this international experience um, and you've managed to achieve many things, but was it a hard slog or, or have you found people in Adelaide to be very open to different things? I have found it incredibly welcoming and um, it's really nice to feel like a sense of belonging, but also in terms of people who, as you say, are arrows or boomerangs, people who have come here from other places and chosen to make Adelaide their home and are bringing new skills and ideas and those people who have returned and those people who have stayed and and, and um, held the, uh, what's the term, you know, kept the ship afloat. Mm -hmm. um, the flag. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yes, it's been great. And um, my family were all immigrants and um and came after the war and were very proud uh, to be South Australian from, from different heritages. Um, and it's an incredibly welcoming place, yes. And it would have changed so much, I would assume, from your perspective. Like, I know you would have probably done some trips here and there um, to visit family and friends, but actually coming back and living here now and seeing, you know, the innovation that is occurring here, was that a big change? Like, I'm, I'm even talking like, you know, the the streets of Lee Street and Peel Street, even through to our uh, innovation hubs. How, how have you seen the change? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like... There was nothing like this when we were growing up, mm. you know, like even at Adelaide Uni, you'd have the uni bar and that was pretty much it. You know, you get your hot chips <laughs> and, <laughs> and and now there's just so much more. Um, yeah, as you say, Peel Street and Lee Street. Um, I think what people don't understand about Adelaide is that it's not just about the CBD, it's about the connection with the landscape mm. and the access we have to the hills and the beaches and the wineries and all of our amazing um, produce growers, the central market. Um, and I, I'd like the people from other states to understand that more, you know, it's not just about coming to Rundle Mall, which may be great. Um, it's about getting out and about and exploring um, the countryside, as it were. Yeah. I think people would, would be amazed uh, in other cities to, to, to know that you can uh, you can be a banker in Adelaide or have a, a you know typical white collar commerce job and also be a farmer and have a small farm I've got one of my clients that has a, a farm you know 25 minutes outside of the, the CBD and goes from wearing a suit uh, and coming home and putting on you know the, the farmer's hat and, and milking cows or whatever people do on farms mm. it's amazing amazing absolutely and that's something in the UK um which there's a lot more of a, a glass ceiling, I find, um, in terms of the, the, the class uh, structure, which is still at play, I feel. Mm -hmm. We have a lot more opportunity here to, to break that ceiling. Um, and you can, as you say, have these amazing experiences on, on the land as well as in the city. Mm. What do you think is the perception of South Australia from a global perspective, having been abroad interstate and internationally? 
Yeah, I found people in Sydney. I, I feel a lot. I know Sydney very well, and I found people in Sydney quite upbeat and positive in my experience about Adelaide. They were sort of you know Sydney side is easy going. There, everything's fast. Got to be here yesterday. So yeah, Adelaide, great. Whatever. I went to Wonderwall once. Great. Um, <laughs> but then in Melbourne, I found um, I experienced a very negative perception of Adelaide mm. and South Australia, um, which I found frustrating. Um, in the UK, people. I think I mentioned to you another time, Peter, I was surprised that a lot of people I spoke to did know of Adelaide uh, because of the cricket. Mm. Um, so people did seem to know about Adelaide. So um, a lot of people said to me in, in the UK, oh, Adelaide, city of churches. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're the posh state, aren't you? You know, <laughs> things like that. Um, so it's, it's interesting how people perceive the state. So what we like to ask all guests in this podcast is, how do we think local but act global? Mm, that's a really good question. Well, I think collaboration is a really good tactic because if you can collaborate, and speaking from an arts perspective, if you can collaborate with international organisations, um, which is part of the reason why I chose the name Shakespeare South Australia because I thought I could have chosen something else, something generic, but I thought, no, I want to say South Australia. Um, so, for instance, if we were to do a collaboration with a, a UK company, that really helps, I think, um, position it as a brand. Mm. Um, in other, other ways of increasing awareness, I think now that we're such a digital and, and mobilised global um, is landscape, we can reach uh, countries in a, in a different way through, um, you know, through online presence, uh, through social media, um, all those channels. Um, and I think South Australia is doing a very good job of that at the moment. Um, what do you love most about Adelaide so far, Elise? Oh, probably the food. <laughs> <laughs> and the coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. We've got great coffee here. Oh, it's fantastic. And and also I think the I'm very I love what we're doing now. I love talking to people who want to make things happen mm. and um, work collaboratively, not competitively. Yeah. And all the great leaders I know work collaboratively I think it's very old school 20th century to work from a, a position of competition and like this is mine and you can't have it no 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 mm. it's all about sharing intellectual resources it's all about helping each other and growing together and that's something I really learned at the globe because they are a fantastic example of not working top down mm. um, they work really collaboratively and they produce beautiful work because of it so Elise the creative arts industry is really going through a really big phase at the moment we're, we're filming a lot we've got a lot of work going on at the SA Film Corp mm. how do you perceive the future of SA from a creative arts space and how else do you perceive what the future key industries will help drive South Australia yeah it's a it's a such an interesting area because yes we have amazing stuff happening Angela Heesom at SA Film Corp is phenomenal um Everyone loves Angela with good reason. She's the nicest person and she makes amazing work. Um, mm -hmm. So Angela has been instrumental in that. Also, um, Anne Peters at SA Casting works um, closely with um, with providing actors for, um, for those films and those projects and we have a lot of exciting work happening at the moment. Um, one thing I will say, to be completely frank, is that there's still a problem and this is, isn't just um, the case in Adelaide but worldwide where projects tend to get the leads will be cast in the big centres and the smaller roles will be cast here locally. And that's the same in London even. You know, often the leads will be cast in LA and the British actors, unless they're living in LA, they don't get looked at. 
Um, same in Sydney, you know, even in Sydney, they were complaining, oh, everyone's cast in LA, we only get the extra roles, we get the one-liners. So yes, there is work happening. And that's great from an industry perspective in terms of crew um, locations and all of the logistics. But in terms of the actual artists, uh, there's still some work to be done in raising local artist profiles. And we still do have, in my opinion, a dash of the cultural cringe where we tend to respect artists more when they've come back from overseas rather than looking just at homegrown artists. And we have some phenomenal homegrown artists, amazing First Nations artists as well. Um, so I think we can improve in that area. Mm. Yeah, space to grow. So we've obviously got uh, Festival and Fringe coming up. Um, yes. How long has it been since you've uh, you've been in Adelaide for, for that? I, I used to sneak back, actually, because I'd always come back to Sydney to see my family and I'd always do a sneaky trip down to Adelaide to go to the Fringe. And mm-hmm. it's so – you appreciate as a, as a, as a former Scot or Scot. Yeah. I'm not sure how you identify in terms of yeah, Scottish. Yeah. Um, but um, – yeah, it's really good fringe here. Like, I know the Edinburgh Fringe really well and it's fantastic, but I've got to say the Adelaide Fringe always blows me away. It's so clean, for starters. <laughs> it's so it's like the five-star fringe, you know? Everything's really beautiful, great food. Everything's walking distance. Um, so, yeah, Fringe is coming up. I have a lot of friends in Fringe. Um, we couldn't do our show at the Fringe because we have artists who are in another show, Rouge, at the moment. Okay. Um, but there is a lot of exciting work happening at Fringe and also with the festival too. So it's a busy, it's our Christmas. It's like the actor's Christmas time. Everyone's getting really busy. And excited for it. We love yeah, it. We love absolutely. it here in Adelaide. I was March. part of a little initiative uh, with the previous uh, leadership of the uh, Adelaide City Council to look at making Adelaide and Edinburgh sister cities and having that Fringe connection. What a fantastic uh, idea. And I suppose the connection is there, but perhaps not at the sister city level which is you know, incorporates all other... Uh, so you would be behind that if we had to oh, revitalise that? 100%. Makes a lot of sense to me. I think that is a brilliant idea because Edinburgh is also a university city, as are mm. we. Mm. Um, there's a lot of Great parallels. food as well. Great food. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a fantastic idea. I'm 100% behind that. There we go. We've got a committee already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and how fabulous that you are back here, at least, and, and found a little bit of a gap here in South Australia, to be honest. We're, we're very lucky to be able Absolutely. to have your show here uh, in January. Oh, thank it's you. It's going to be great. Thank you very much. You can just much. give the dates, just for anyone listening. Uh... Thank you. Yeah, so we have uh, – it's a very limited run. Um, we did sell out really quickly last time, so I'm not saying this is a hustle, but genuinely do, um, do look at particular it's because of COVID regulations, we can't have too many people. So we have three evening shows only, January 4th, 5th and 6th, 6.30pm at Twilight, um, which we really lovely. You can bring a picnic, you can pre-order a picnic, mm. have some bubbles, mm-hmm. um, and it's a really fun show. And then we have two family-friendly matinees, which are on Friday the 7th of January at 12 o'clock and Saturday the 8th of January at 12 o'clock. And um, we're doing a Christmas special. So I want to make sure the work's as accessible to everyone as possible. So we're doing um, a special whereby if you book before Christmas for those two matinees, any person under 16 can come along for free too, which is oh, great wow. for kids studying Shakespeare at yeah. school. Fantastic. So how do people find tickets? Is it online? Uh, yeah, online at Humanitix or on our website, shakespearesouthaustralia.com. We'll, we'll link them in the podcast yes, episode, idea. Grant. So just to finish off, Elise, what are you listening to or reading at the moment which you'd like to share with us? Oh, thank you. Um, I'm 
currently working a lot. So I'm reading a lot of academic articles about innovation in the Australian arts and sort of having a dig through, you know, is innovation happening to, ha to what extent? How can we make it um, more of a, a key driver? Um, other than that, I'm reading a really interesting book by Jeffrey Jerome Collum called Stone. And mm. it's about looking at uh, literature through the perspective, it sounds quite out there, of stone. So uh, de-anthropicizing the text, taking the human away from the text and looking at the text from the stone's perspective. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Your brain around that on a, on a Wednesday <laughs> afternoon. Maybe maybe after a wine or two. Yeah, I need that. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us today, Elise. We've really appreciated your time. Yeah. Thank Thanks you so much. so much for having me. Thank you for listening to our podcast, brought to you by hosts Grant Law and Peter St. Clair. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow us on socials. Simply search for Adelaide Connected. We host podcasts monthly, so stay tuned to hear from more inspiring boomerangs and arrows who have chosen South Australia as a place to live and work.